0: all right all right man feels good to be in church man, i'm so grateful for the musicians and singers on this stage aren't you honestly jake who's going down thanks for wearing your mask by the way man love you such a leader leading by example brandon victoria tim brian such a good crew jay was i low-key wanting you to go there man when you started singing i was like go go <laughs> Uh, Brandon my mom is like is he a professional musician (laughs) bro you got the vibe for sure he is a professional musician in fact love this man hey thank you for being here if this is your first time uh, coming to church during a pandemic uh, I will be your pandemic host and here's how here's how we do church uh, in a pandemic first of all thanks for being here Uh, so glad that you would take time out of your Sunday Uh, This is pretty simple. We do ask, if you don't mind, if you're out and about wearing your masks, like out in the lobbies or even walking around, that's what the Hilton has asked us to do. But when you're at your seat, because we're socially distanced, um, you can take it off. You don't have to. If you want to wear it, that's totally fine. But if you want to take it off, you can. You're not breaking any rules right now, so you could take that off. And then when uh, when you leave, maybe put it on. That'd be great. And so... um, and then also, you can move chairs around. You'll see some people have a bunch of people. Those are families. Um, the ones that have like 20 people, those are mafia families. We welcome all. We welcome everyone here. Uh, or you can social distance as much as you want. But thanks for being here. Thanks for coming to church. It's going to be a great time. Hey, if you're wondering, like, how can I get involved in community? What are some ways we could do? We have these things that we're doing once a month. And just so you know, we're purposely easing in back into church. And the times that we're in, we're not afraid, but we are going to be wise. And so um, groups have kind of started up. They're hit or miss, and you can certainly be a part of those. You can find out from Cat in the back, and um, anyone can help you out groups. But we do these things called welcome dinners, and we have one happening the 14th. It's Saturday, November 14th, and actually Jake was singing up here. He was the guy who was hitting that high note. Man, Jake, whoo! Um, Jake and Sarah Archer, they're right over here. They're actually hosting our next welcome dinner, and so if you're interested and being a part of that. And you're like, what is a welcome dinner? It's literally just that. It's welcome to 116. Come eat dinner with us. (laughs) And you get to meet some people. And so they're going to be hosting the next one on November 14th. And I don't know what time it is, but you can see Jake and Sarah over here. You can also see myself or Jennifer or Kat or anyone. It's at 6 p.m. So babe, if they want to get information on that, who do they go to? Okay. She said, say a prayer and God will answer you. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, in the back. That's Kat. Cat is the best. Kat Grace is, She's waving her hand. She'll have an iPad and you can get signed up there. And hey, if you have a high school student, we're doing something really cool this Thursday. It's called Friendsgiving. I don't know what it is, but it sounds awesome, and for all of our high school students, actually going to be at our house, we'll be there for a little bit, and then we'll leave, we'll let the kids do their thing, um, but I'm so grateful for some of our great student leaders, Nathan and Caleb and Abby and Claire, are they all together? I see some of them, but if you have a high school student, you're like, yo, I want my student to go to that, it's, it's pretty much just Thanksgiving food, two weeks before Thanksgiving, which I think is awesome, and they're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, we got a big house, they can socially distance, and... They think we're gone, but trust me, I'm watching. I see what happens. (laughs) Um, So Nathan's right here. Nathan, would you raise your hand on the front row? This is Nathan. Love this guy. So if you have a student, you can see him, see Jen or I. We'll make sure that we get you connected, and we'll be posting on that. So for high school students, that'll be cool. Sound good? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go to the Bible for the next 30 minutes or so. Call it 35. Um, I think it'll help us. It's going to inspire us. It's definitely going to speak to us. Um, I think every time we open this book, it reads us as we read it, and then uh, we'll stand and we'll sing again, and we will get out of here and go watch the game on DVR and eat some good food. Sound good? Okay, three of you like that plan, but we're still doing it regardless. All right, go with me, if you got your Bibles, to Psalms 40, Psalm 40. All right, all right, I'm excited, so many things going on. 2020 has still got a month and a half left in it. I've just changed. I changed my tune probably three months ago. Instead of being like, what else could 2020 throw at us? (laughs) I started saying, like, I can't wait to see what 2020 throws at us. And uh, I just believe, I honestly do believe and that this could be the next, these next, I don't know, how many days we got left in this year? 60? Not even? Not even 60 days. I think they could be some of the best days of our lives. Why not? I'm just going to believe for that can 't get much worse i don 't know, but it 's definitely going to get a lot better and um, so i 'm just believing for that. The thing we have that maybe people don 't have is we have hope that goes beyond our circumstances, goes beyond where we currently find ourselves, goes beyond what we do. in fact, we have hope in Jesus, and some people call it a crutch, I call it a life saver uh, He saved my life, and he continues to do so on the regular, and so that 's where our hope 's at and Whether you believe that or not um, He believes in you, and he's here. And so uh, whenever you're ready, God is there for you. Sound good? That was free. Now we're going to Psalms 40. Psalm chapter 40. I'm going to read two places this morning. We'll start with Psalm 40. Uh, This is one of my favorite psalms. I'm going to read it from the, the Passion Translation, if you don't mind. It says like this. I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently, knowing God would come through for me. Then at last, he bent down and he listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of the danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles and they'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. Blessing after blessing comes to those who love and trust the Lord. They will not fall away. They will not fall away. For they refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. Such a good verse. Now let me go one more place. If you would, go with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. This is Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. starting in verse 34. And he says this. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, for the gospel, will save it. It sounds like a paradox. It's a biblical paradox, but it makes a lot of sense. We'll get to it. Then this is it. Verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, and forfeit his soul. I'd like to title this talk for the next 30 minutes, Don't Lose Your Way On Your Way. Don't Lose Your Way On Your Way. Do we pray? God, thank you for everyone who's in church today. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that uh, you see us, even when we're not looking for you. You've always been looking for us. So God, we put our hope in you right now. I pray you speak to each person, regardless of where they find themselves in their journey with you, whether they believe in you, uh, whether they follow you or not. Lord, I thank you that you're here and you're able to speak to us in this moment. Would you do that? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, growing up, I've been in church most of my life. This verse, eight, uh, Mark eight thirty six, has always been kind of like an ominous, kind of like, what does it profit a man? If he gained the whole world, and then like your voice gets deep, you lose his soul. You know, like it's like, I've always kind of been like, whoa, like, you know, it's like one of those warnings from the Bible that's just ominous, like you could get it all and die. And I've always kind of like felt that when I read that. And certainly there's a portion to this passage that is speaking of salvation. Um, like you could have everything in life and all the riches and the glory and fame, but if you don't know Jesus, you you know, you could you know, you might not make it into heaven. But that's actually a very small part. What is actually being said, here, if you read the context, and we'll get into it this morning, is that you can get to where you're going and not be who you're supposed to be. What does it profit a person if they get it all but lose themselves along the way? Not speaking of necessarily salvation, but speaking of like who God has called you to be. Because there's there's a purpose for each one of us. The fact that you're breathing is proved positive that God has a plan for your life. And what would it profit us if we get everything we're going for but lose who we are along the way? And Mark 8, this speaks to the theme that you will find throughout Scripture. How we do is just as important as what we do. I'm going to say it again, and maybe you agree, maybe by the end you will agree. How we do something is just as important is what we do. You can do good things the wrong way and it becomes a bad thing. Did you know that? Like you can, you can do good things wrong and now they're bad things. And I'm 44 now and I probably in my 40s this has been something that's been changing my life. I see it in scripture and I see it in my own life. It's not so much what you do. Like do the right thing. Do what God's called you to do. Do great things. But it's just as important as how you go about doing that. Um, I'll never forget my son judah is in the back now he's 21 i love him very much when he was young i think he was about five or six he was in sunday school and he, after school sunday school we came to get him and the teacher was like hey judah prayed a prayer we had a moment and we asked anyone if they wanted to ask jesus into their heart he prayed the prayer and he asked jesus into his heart so i'm like oh my goodness so judah comes out of class i'm like hey buddy what happened today And he's like well today i prayed i prayed a prayer to jesus <laughs> And I asked him, <laughs> look at you going, oh, did I do it that good? You're like, oh, that's how he sounds. And I asked him, please, please, if he will come to my heart, you know. And, and so we just kind of make the biggest deal about it. We're like, oh, you know, and I'm like hugging him. I'm like, yes. And so, and he's just beaming. He's just got this big five-year-old smile. So we get in the car and me, Jen, his, his brother, Caleb, who's like four at the time, and we're going over to, um, to, my mom's house, his grandma, who's right here on the front row. And Caleb was bummed because of my youngest son. He wanted to go to get pizza, but we're going to grandma's. He's like, she only serves vegetables, you know. So we get there, and my mom comes out. and I'm like, Mom, you're not going to believe what happened. Guess what happened to Judah today? And she's like, Judah, what happened? He's like, well, I, I prayed a prayer in Sunday school, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he did. You know? and, and so my mom, she's like, Judah! You know, we're all like high five and like, eh, no party like a Holy Ghost party. You know, like, we're just doing the thing and making a big deal about it. I mean, it would be like 10 more times he would do the same thing. Guess what I did today? I prayed and asked Jesus. I'm like, I thought we already did that. You know? like, um, sure enough, my mom, you know, As any good grandma, she's like, Judah, do you know what that means? He's like, I do. She's like, what does it mean? He goes like this It means that I'm going to heaven. And we're like, oh, and then he doesn't stop. He should have stopped. But my six year old son goes, But not Caleb. He's going to hell. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why did that need to be said? <laughs> and Caleb, who doesn't know what's going on and still like over there grumbling about not getting pizza, he's like, I don't wanna go to hell. I wanna go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Literally, true story. And I'm like, Chuck E. Cheese, hell? Are they any different? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'll go there. Not during coronavirus though. Anyways, um, so i remember it just dawned on me i'm like i'm like caleb you're not going to hell okay yet (laughs) you know whatever and it just dawned on me even my six-year-old son part of the way he defined his own success was by someone else's loss like i'm i'm winning because you're losing And and that's not actually success is it it's success by default which isn't success But how we do something, like, Judah, I'm so glad that you gave your life to Jesus, but how you did it, you know, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell, like, that's not, that's not how we're supposed to do things. But we do that as adults. Like, we do that as grown-ups, by the way. Like, we would probably never say this, but if you're losing, maybe there's a part inside of me that's like, not as bad as them, you know? Like, I wouldn't say that to you, but maybe I feel like I'm winning because you're losing. Or... I feel like I'm losing because God's blessing your life and your winning and your business and your marriage. And and all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, I'm, that is not the way it was meant to be. That's not what Jesus intended. And in fact, you will find in scripture, there's a lot of both ands. You can do great things and value people along the way. Did you know that? You could do great things and how you do it can also be done really, really well. There's very few either ors in scripture. But Christians, and I am one, so I'll talk freely to all of us, we're notorious for being like, it's either this or it's that. Either you do or you don't. Either you believe or you don't. That's what we do. You don't see God doing that too much. There's a few places, but even with sin, the Bible says this, I hate sin, but I love the sinner. Right? So you're telling me it's both and. Well, yeah, he hates sin. I mean, thank God that's not an either or, by the way. Because I'd be doomed. Either you don't sin, or I hate you like I hate sin. No, that's not scripture. It's like, there's these both ands. And I believe how we go through life, we can do great things. You can do everything God's called you to do, and at the same time, do it the right way. Value people. Can I just make this statement as we get going this morning, and I take us to Mark chapter 8? People matter more than purpose. I'm gonna say it again: People matter more than purpose. When did we forget that? As a as as a, as, a, as, a, as a as a church worldwide, when did we forget that? We've taken the purpose of God, which I'm all for, by the way, the plan of God in our lives, the call of God in our lives, the mandate from heaven, and somehow we've put that above people—the very thing that the very people that God came to save. And to use. And all of a sudden now what our purpose are. People matter more than purpose. I believe that both can be true. I believe we can do great things for God. I believe you can accomplish all that God has put in your life to do. In business. In, the, in your relationships. and ministry if that means. And value people along the way. But if we had to choose. If you were forced to choose between the purpose and people. I implore you. Choose people. Jesus did. In fact, Jesus chose people. God's mandate on my life does not give me permission to mistreat the people in my life. In fact, relationship is more important than accomplishment. It is. What we do and how we do are just as important. Okay, so go with me. Look at, look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, I'm going to walk us through it. We read in verse 34 through 36, but I'm just going to start in the very beginning. And they don't, I don't know if they even have this, but Mark chapter 8, it starts out with this. Jesus is, is, is preaching, and it says thousands of people have gathered to listen to him. And when he got done, Jesus says this in the first verses of Mark chapter 8. He's like, let's feed the people. They're hungry. And the disciples are like, that's crazy. There's thousands of them. All we got is like a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. They can go get food somewhere else. And Jesus is like, No. Sit them down, we'll feed them. Here's the thing. Why was Jesus wanting to feed these people? First of all, they're not destitute. They're not, this isn't, they're not, it's not like they're starving. It's not, they can go. They can go other places. They can get food. This isn't like if I don't feed them, they will die. Jesus is just simply making the statement. And his disciples are trying to talk him out of it. They're like, Jesus, we don't have to do this. In fact, you have a lot more important things to do, by the way. Like, you need to go preach to more people. There's a ton of people who need to be healed. You're kind of on your public tour. You got three years here, so we need you to get the most out of it, right? Not to mention your mandate from heaven to propagate the gospel to the world. So, like, feeding the people is just way low down. But Jesus insists on it. He's like, sit him down, give me the bread give me the fish and he does a miracle. Why? Because he cares. Cuz he wants to. Jesus is making a point. I know I have a lot to do. I know that we're in the middle of something very important called the beginning of salvation to all humanity, but it is important for me right now these people are hungry. And so let's feed them. Why? Because we can. Jesus is making a point. If we go on later on in Mark, it would say that the Pharisees heard about it, the religious leaders of the day, and they would come find Jesus. And they would say, do another sign. Like, hey, we heard, you did like a miracle. Like, fed thousands of people with just a couple of loaves of bread and a, couple, a few fish. Like, do another one. Show us another miracle. Kind of cool, wanna see if you're real. Show us what you can do. Perform, monkey boy. Like, that's kind of what they were saying. And Jesus denies them. And he gets frustrated with the Pharisees. You can read it in chapter eight. In Mark eight, he goes, he's like, you're always looking for a sign. And he doesn't do it, and he leaves. Almost as if to say, like, I wasn't doing that sign so that you could marvel. I was doing it because I care about those people. That was my sole reason behind it. Oh, you mean just because, like, you knew they were hungry and that mattered to you? That's it. It wasn't so, like, you could impress us or be impressed by us. Like, you, you weren't trying to show us you were. No, I'm just simply, these people are hungry and I want to help them. Because people, people matter. Then it gets to verse 17, and I'm just walking us through until we get to our passage this morning. Verse 17, Jesus, as he walks away from the people that they fed and from the Pharisees who wanted a sign, he's like, I'm not doing that for you because I didn't, you always want me to do something. That's not what it's about. Like, I do do great things, but make no mistake, how we do and what we do, that matters, and these people matter. So as he's walking away, he turns to his disciples and he says this. He says, don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your heart be hardened. In fact, he says it just like this. He goes on to say... He says, verse 17, I know you got it right there. He says, are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes, but fail to see? Do you have ears, but fail to hear? Jesus is warning his closest companions. He's like, don't drift. You know what drift is? I think we can drift in morality. I think we can drift in in sin. Um, But that drift can only go so far because then Jesus died on a cross and so he took away the power of sin. So if Jesus hadn't done what he did, then I could drift morally. But because of Jesus, all of a sudden even if I make a mistake, there's hope after that. So I could fail, you could fail morally. You could sin, which is what the Bible calls sin. And because of what Jesus did, I could get back up. Like, man, I messed up. Whew. Thank God. The drift ended when Jesus said, I forgive you for your sins. So we can come back to God. He gives us mercy and he gives us grace. You know, there's another kind of drift. It's when we begin to lose sight of how and what and where God's called us to go. That happens a lot easier. What happens is we start to see people as a means to an end as opposed to a reason for it all. This is a drift. And this is what he is warning the disciples of as they walk away. It's like, listen, listen real quick. I didn't do that to impress those Pharisees. I'm not trying to like make a, like a statement here. It's like, I did that because I genuinely care about people. You know that we have a lot of important things to do, but this is more important, and I'm making an appointment to you. So he says to them, he's like, don't let your hearts be hardened. Are you understanding? Do you have eyes? Can you see? Do you have ears? Can you hear? Don't lose sight of what is most important. People are never meant to be a means to an end. Relationship was never meant to be a means to an end. This is the point that Jesus is making. I remember Jen and I were flying back from Australia a few years ago, and we were getting on the plane, and I had found out that I was going to be in the middle seat. (sighs) Now, for some of you, that ain't a big deal but I'm a large dude, okay, and what that means, I'm a large dude, and I'm also very, very self-conscious and aware of other people around me. You say, oh, is that a self-compliment? Yes, and so I know that my elbows are going to be all up in your business, and not only does that make me feel uncomfortable, but I feel terrible for you. I'm like, I'm so sorry, so what I'll do for 14 hours is this deal. I've done it, and it's the worst feeling, and I'm so self-conscious, so I go to the front desk, I'm like, listen, I can't, I'm like, hey, I can't be in a middle seat, this is, there's a mistake, and I was like, can we change it, they're like, I'm sorry, the flight's booked, I'm like, okay, and my wife Jennifer's with me, and she's good, so I'm like, babe, please, take over, like, do your thing, she's like, hey, how you doing, <laughs> it wasn't working, and so, I mean, it worked on me, I'm like, I'm doing great, <laughs> and so, come to find out, I'm like, I'll upgrade, I'm like, I'll pay for first class. They're like, sir, that And Jen's like, babe, that could be like hundreds, maybe over a thousand dollars. I'm like, I don't care. And they're like, sorry, first class is booked. I'm like, okay, uh, we'll take another flight. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'll take another flight. Is there another one going out today? They're like, no, there's not another one going out for like a couple days. Like it's kind of, and I was like, okay, we'll get a hotel. <laughs> I'm literally doing, Jen's like, no, we won't. I'm like, yes, we will. We will get a hotel and we will stay here for a week or a month or the rest of my life until they find a seat that's not in the middle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I would rather die. I will mortgage my house before I would get on a flight for 14 hours. And I'm, I'm not kidding. For a moment, I lost myself. Like, I'm walking to the airport. She's like, Billy, calm down. I'm like, don't talk to me. You know, like, if anyone looks at me, like, what are you looking at? You know, I'm just like, and I was just, I was furious. Come to find out. We get on the plane because there's nothing I can do. There's literally nothing I can do. I'm sweating. I'm so worked up. I'm sh- and Jen's like trying to talk to me. Like, Don't even talk to me. And I'm just. i literally would rather. I think I said it to her. I was like, I would rather be dead than what we're about to do. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Get on the plane and we get to my row. You know, row fifty, way in the back of this plane. And come to find out, I've never seen. I have never seen a plane like this. It was the middle seat, but it was the only seat. <laughs> and Jen, Jen walks by it, and she's like, hmm. Somebody owes heaven an apology. (laughs) I remember being like, oh, I may have have overreacted. (laughs) And I I was curious. I was curious. Like, why did the lady at the desk that we were doing this whole deal with, why didn't she tell me? I think she wanted to, but God wouldn't let her. (laughs) You know, he was testing me, and I failed miserably. And the whole thing is, while I was losing myself, I failed to remember just a few key details. Number one, that I'm about to get into a metal tube and fly across the world in one day. Like, that's a miracle. Also, um, God, by his graciousness, had provided us the finances to do so. It's another miracle. I was about to get on that plane with the most incredible person in the world, my wife, who loved me so much that she'd been married to me for over two decades. That is a miracle. They're going to feed me three meals. I'm going to watch like 17 movies. People do that to relax. I'm going to have climate control. Back then, I wouldn't have to wear a mask. Not a miracle, but awesome, right? Right? Like, there was so much to be grateful for, and I had completely missed the point. I missed the point of what mattered the most. It's easy to drift when we start to get focused on what it is we're doing. That's why Jesus says, you have eyes to see? Look. you have ears to hear? Listen. And then he says this, do you remember what I'm trying to show you? Look what happens in verse 25 right after this. Verse 25 tells us that he goes and he heals a blind man. Is it a coincidence that he heals someone who can't see? I don't think so. It's literally a physical metaphor for what Jesus is doing. He goes to a man who can't see, and he restores his sight. I think everything connects with Jesus. He said, tell him, like, listen, pay attention. Don't lose sight of what matters the most. And then he goes and he heals a man who can't see. What does he do afterwards? Does he take like a, a selfie and post it to Instagram? This dude was blind. Check him out now. <laughs> see? I wouldn't be mad. I probably would do that. Um, does he like schedule an interview? Does he go live, live coverage? Here we are in the Sea of Galilee. And we just healed a blind man. Does he do any of that? I wouldn't be mad if he did, but what does he do? It says there, and I don't, I'm sure what verse it is, guys, but you can trust me and maybe they've got there. It says that Jesus says to him, don't go tell anyone in the village. Don't go tell anybody. It's like Jesus is making a point again. Like he is not interested in doing this for publicity. He is doing good for people. Because how we do is just as important as what we do. He's not, you'd be like, dude, what you did was so good. Yeah, and I'm doing it, man. I'm getting get my name out there. And, you know, we're going to do something great here. It's going to be awesome. Watch me rise to the top. And I'm not mad at that. Like, I'm an entrepreneur. My wife's an entrepreneur. Like, I'm all for that. But don't lose sight of what is most important in your rise. Like, don't lose sight. Because it is possible to lose your way on your way. So Jesus, he, does, he says, hey, don't go tell people. This isn't about Instagram likes for me. This is about individuals' lives. That's what this is about. And here's what happens. God has to be our primary cause. If not, it turns into our personal campaign. If following Jesus and putting Jesus in the center is not the primary cause of what I'm doing in life, all of a sudden it can slowly drift into my personal campaign. So now it's not so much me serving you, it's you serving me. Now instead of loving people, I'm leveraging people. Like, so who do you know? Oh, cool. I've been meeting to meet them. Awesome. Well, maybe you and I could get coffee and you could. And I'm all for it, but you understand what I'm saying? What's the motive? How you do. I'm not, I'm not against networking. I think it's awesome. I've said it a couple of weeks ago in this community. I said, there's probably people in here. You showed up to church. There's probably people in here that are going to help you land the dream job. And I believe that's divine by God. That's what community is for. But what is the motive behind it? Oh, I'll befriend you if it's a benefit to me. That's the drift. That's what Jesus is speaking to. That's the drift. He's like, oh, this is not how we do kings. So let's recap. Let's recap real quick. Jesus feeds the people. Why? Because he wants to and he cares. Then Jesus denies the Pharisees another miracle. Why? Because it's not about what he's doing. They're missing the point. Then Jesus warns the disciples. He's like, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. Use your eyes. Use your ears. Remember why we're doing what we're doing. And then he heals a blind man, a literal metaphor physically. Makes a man, restores his sight. And then he tells the disciples, don't go, then he, tells the, then he tells the blind man, don't go tell everyone what I did. Essentially he's saying, don't lose sight of what matters most in your attempts to do what matters. Don't lose sight of what matters most in your attempt to do good things. Do great things. But don't forget why we're doing it. So which my question would be, if I'm sitting where you're sitting, it's like, great, thanks preacher, How? I'm so glad you asked. All right, go with me now to our passage, Mark 8, verse 34. Jesus tells us how, right here. Gives us three things. I'm going to read it real quick. Remember what Jesus said. He said, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples, and he said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So how do I keep from losing sight? Of what matters most it's right here deny yourself can i tell you what that means walk humbly we can get into all the greek if you want but just take my word it means walk humbly uh it's not all about you life isn't um politics aren't religion isn't relationships aren't it's not all about you it's not all about your perspective it's not all about your position it's not all about the way it makes you feel life is not all about you deny yourself walk humbly here's a novel idea put other people first sounds crazy right but it's actually what jesus if you want to be able to like put other people before yourself god first then other people that's actually in the bible when jesus came he said he gave two commandments took all the ten turned it into two says love the lord your god and love love your neighbor as yourself put other people before you that's essentially what he's saying he's like okay so you want to you want to keep things straight you want to keep the main thing the main thing perfect deny yourself walk humbly before god then he goes on to say this he says take up your cross can I tell you what that means keep going my goodness in 2020 if there's anything I could say to all of us keep going you're like cross that sounds hard like a cross well yeah I think it probably was hard can i tell you what i've been telling my kids ever since they were little babies now my sons are grown men and my daughter's 16. sometimes it's good for us to do hard things sometimes it is good for you as a human to do hard things in fact if you don't ever do any hard things i don't think you're going to do much in life it's good sometimes to do hard things you're like that's difficult it's good for you, right? Like, and I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, I need to be punished. No, that's weird. I'm not talking about that. But like, you're like, this is hard. Um, I love my sons. They're they're great men. They're hard workers. I was having an interaction with my son of the other day, and he's actually injured. But he was doing something. I just looked at him. I was like, suck it up. And I loved how he was just like. Phew. Okay, <laughs> you know, like, you're right. I'm just gonna suck it up. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, sometimes it's good just to do hard things. Like it's okay. Like it'll actually make you a better person. Take up your cross literally means keep going. Like is 2020 hard? I'll answer for all of us. Yes. Keep going. You're like, well, I don't know if I can run. I'm not asking you to run like one foot in front of the other. You're like, well, I don't even know what to do. How about you just do what's right in front of you. Just do that. Well, what about tomorrow? I'm not. I'm not I, I can't even think about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in 2020, but I know right now I'll do what's in front of me. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? Well, I guarantee you if you don't go, it will not work. There's 100% that it will not work if you don't try. But if you get going, exponentially your odds increase of it working. But you have to keep going. Please. Like, I don't think I can keep going. Well, with God, we could do anything. So Jesus says, deny yourself, walk humbly, take up your cross, keep going. And then he says this, follow me, which literally means trust in God. Put your hope and fix your eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you the last thing that Jesus tells us to do enables us to do the first two. Following Jesus, fixing your eyes on God, enables me to keep going. And to walk humbly, to take up my cross, whew, turn my eyes on Jesus. It enables me to deny myself, put other people first. You know what the secret to a great marriage is? While I'm on it, I was having this conversation with friends the other day in Atlanta. The secret to a great marriage is each person in the marriage being like, "No, what do you want?" Now it's not the secret to a great date night. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Where do you? We're not going anywhere. <laughs> But it's secret to a great marriage? No, no, like what? What would be better for you? Now, if I'm the only one who ever says that, and my wife's always like, well, this would be better. Then all of a sudden I might start to resent her, like, do you wanna know? But what if she were to be like, no, 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 what would be better for you? And when we're honestly, legitimately trying, you'll never shoot 100, trying to put other people first, it is amazing what that will do. It's just try, you won't always do it, we're all selfish. So at some point I'm like, I want this. But if you're trying to like, just put, deny yourself, like, hey, what? what's better for you? Like, I see it this way. This would actually be more convenient for me, but would this be more convenient? And and then they'll return and reciprocate. All of a sudden, you get people getting married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they love each other, not just together, not just making it through, just not the old grind. but they're actually like, this is awesome. We love each other. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Keep going. Keep going. 2021 is just around the corner, by the way. And in 2022, and in 2023, it's going to be okay. And fix your eyes on Jesus. My favorite passage in all of Scripture is Philippians 3. Philippians 3, I'm going to read verse 13. Paul essentially echoes God, echoes Jesus. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of, but one thing I do. This is funny. Paul, he's such a preacher. He says one thing I do, and now he's going to give us three things, which is what preachers do. I got two points, seven points later. You know what I'm saying? This is literally true. It's so funny to me. He's one thing I do. Now get ready for the three things he does. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and there those go. Oh, those are vows to a wedding. All right. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. First thing he says, forget what is behind. Man, that sounds very close to Jesus says, deny yourself. Like it's not all about you. Well, what about what happened here and what, what about what I did there? Well, forget that. Like I forgave you already. Well, what about what they did to me? Forgive them because I forgave them already. Just move on. Forgetting what is behind and then straining towards what is ahead. Well, that sounds like keep going to me. Like, pick up your cross, put one foot in front of the other. You've got God. Keep going. And then he says, I fix my eyes. I Focus towards heaven, Christ Jesus, which is the goal and the prize. Essentially saying, follow God. Follow God. Which then brings sense to me in verse 29, when Jesus asks them this. Looks at the disciples in the midst of all this. And he says this in Mark 8, verse 29. He says, do you know who I am? This is a weird question to get from a guy you've spent the last at least a year at this point with maybe longer, every single day with him, Jesus turns and is like, who do you say I am? Like, I know what people say, but do you actually know who I am? Do you know me? Because if we lose sight of who Jesus is, we lose sight of ourselves. So that's why Jesus is asking him in the midst of this. Do you know who I am? Because if you lose sight of who I am and what I stand for, there's no way You don't lose yourself in all of this. Remember who you are, why you're here, and how you do, because it matters. Don't lose your way on your way. I've been in ministry for 24 years now. I've been alive for 44 of those. Um, I've watched men and women lose their way on their way. And my heart breaks. No one sets out to lose themselves. Right? But we do, don't we? We do. People lose themselves out there. They get distracted. They stop looking at God, start looking at themselves. Um, They get blinded by their own pride. They lose sight of what really matters. Have you ever lost yourself somewhere out there? In the midst of it all? even going for good things, we could lose ourselves. Lose who God intended for us to be. Not just individually, individually, but as a community. I mean, I, I long for the days where people will be like, oh, Christians? Man, those are the best people on the planet. You need to find you some Christian friends. Those people, they got hope, they're happy. They're happy when they shouldn't be happy. They're not stupid happy. Like they realize what's happening, but they're still happy and they're kind, they're welcome. they probably buy you dinner. Christians, they're the biggest tippers on the whole planet. Christians, like I long for those days where followers of Jesus, we're the people that everyone's like, you want to be around them. I don't know if that's always true because it's sometimes we lose our way on our way. And what's most important, it kind of it drops. And for whatever reason, we didn't intend to do it, but something takes its place. And now we find ourselves lost. I've been there. If you've been alive for any amount of time, you've probably been there. What do we do if and when that happens? That's where Psalms 40 comes in. I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently, knowing that God would come through for me. Then at last, he bent down. He listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of the danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up to a firm, secure space, steadied me while I walk along his ascending path, a new song for a new day. A new day, can I ask you a question? How do you get up out of the mud if you have never been muddy? How do you get up out of the mud You've never been muddy. Okay, so you, so you messed up. You lost yourself out there. Well, Psalms 40 is a beacon of hope. He lifted me up out of the muddy place. I believe this. The pit that we put ourselves in, the mud that we find ourselves in because we walked into it ourselves could be the very thing that ushers in a new day. Like it could be the very thing that we look back on and like this was, that was the moment I was down and I was out. And that, that right there, that was the moment that everything became new. That has been the story of my life. And I could, I could single out people right now, like stand up and tell them. I know your story, tell them. Tell them that you were at your worst, you were at your lowest, you would put yourself in that pit and there was nothing you could do and you were there and God reached down from heaven and he found you in the midst of it and he pulled you out and now that, that thing that was the source of your greatest pain, now it's what you tell people when they say, tell me about your story. You're like, oh, I got a story for you. I'd lost it all, but then God showed up. And what was meant to destroy us what was meant to, for us to lose ourselves completely. God reaches down, and then he, he turns it all around. You know the story behind the, the hymn Amazing Grace, right? You know it. It's a phenomenal story. If you haven't heard I'm going to tell you. If you have, this is a good review. It was written by a man by the name of John Newton, the hymn Amazing Grace. And John Newton, the beginning of his life, was an awful It would not be an an overstatement to say he was a lost soul. He was was a slave trader. So he would would make a living out of hurting and murdering and torturing and dehumanizing other people. That's how he made his living. He was the worst of the worst. Somewhere in the midst of John Newton's life, Jesus found him. And he picked him up out of the the pit that he had put himself into. And towards the end of his life, John Newton would be referred to as a Reverend Newton. He would find God and he would become a minister. He would go from one extreme to the other, from less than human to ministering faith and hope. And towards the end of his life, John Newton was quoted in saying this My memory is nearly gone, but I can still remember two things. One, I am a great sinner. And two, God is a great Savior. And then he would write the hymn. Amazing grace. He would literally talk about how he had fallen into the deepest pit and was lost. Lost. And God would reach out, and he would pull him up. You don't have to lose yourself on your way. I believe we can do all that God's called us to do, and I believe how we do it matters. Jesus showed us that, and I think we can do it. And you remember the words of that song? Amazing. Say it again. God, I thank you that you're here and that you lift us up. I pray for every person that's in church this morning. Help us not lose sight of what matters most. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to love people that seem unlovable. and Help us to remember that people are the reason. That's why you showed up. And Lord, I thank you for the purpose of God in our lives, but I pray that that would never take precedence over the people that you put in our lives. Would you help us to do both and? To do all you've called us to do. To go everywhere you've called us to go. To love people along the way. Help us. It's hard. God, I'm not going to lie. It is hard sometimes. But I know that you're there. Pray for every person, every family is represented right now in church. Right here in this place, God. I wonder with every eye closed, if you're in here, give you an opportunity, and maybe you have never um, asked Jesus to forgive you. No, you know, it's just as simple as that, by the way. People say, how do I find Jesus? Well, he found you, and all you have to do is recognize it. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, be saved. There's no, um, there's no like, ritual you go through. It's just simply believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. It's personal, by the way. That's why I ask people to close their eyes. It's not... It's between you and God. He sees you. He's always seen you. He'll always be with you. And if you're in here right now, I'm going to count to three, just a moment. And if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I want to put my faith in Jesus, I would be honored to pray with you. And just between you and God, you'll raise your hand. That's just you kind of putting motion and acknowledging that I'm going to do this. And you signal heaven. And Someone once asked me, what if I don't raise my hand? I was like, well, Jesus is still there. <laughs> like I said, it's between you and God. But if if you say, is the day I'm going to do that, I'd be honored to pray. I'm going to count to three. That's you. I'm going to put your faith in God. Would you raise your hand when I get to three? One, two, three. Wherever you are, just pop it up. Put it right back down. Thank you. Anyone else? Just pop it up. I see it. Thank you so much. Amen. God, I thank you. Jesus, thank you for forgiving us of our crimes. Thank you for loving us when we did not love you. Thank you for being there we were absent. In this moment right now, in this this holy moment, we put our trust in you again. put our faith in you. We believe in you. We fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for the people who prayed that prayer?